Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Aaron McCoy here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. High Ground Brewing sits in the tiny mountain community of Terra Alta, West Virginia. That's way up in north central West Virginia near the Maryland border. You know, it's one of those breweries that when it opened, it hit the ground running, quickly gaining a reputation for good beer well beyond its local community. Aaron, they've even developed a strong following here in the Charleston Huntington market. And Terra Alta, geez, that's about three or four hours drive from here. Yeah, they've been so impressive. This year, we're seeing them place really high in the best of show judging at the major craft beer festivals in both Charleston and the Huntington area. So today, we want to find out how they've pulled this off and what their plans are to keep it going. We have two key folks from High Ground Brewing with us today. First is Austin Weezer, and he's the head brewer. Austin, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Well, thank you, Charles. It's a pleasure being here. And here's Dallas Wolf, the founder and leader of High Ground Brewing. Dallas, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, it's, it's always great to get together and talk about beer. And, uh, you know, I've been uh, really looking forward to, to chatting with you. Well, High Ground only opened back in March of 2019, which, you know, is not that long ago. And often it takes a year or two for a brewery to hit its stride, so to speak. So, Dallas, looking back, why do you think High Ground was able to get off to a fast start? Well, honestly, I mean, if you know, from 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 the perspective of everyone else, you know, high ground was did did hit the ground running pretty hard. But uh, you know, in all honesty, from from my perspective, it took it took like forever. Um, you know, it, it took us you know four four and a half years from the moment that I said uh, you know, hey, uh, I want to start a brewery, and uh, all my friends looked at me like I was crazy, and my, so did my you know my family and everybody else uh, to developing a business plan, developing recipes, getting everything, you know, in line, ready to go, execution ready, um, seeking financial, uh, you know, the finances and the capital. And, you know, that, you know, that was a major, major, uh, you know, stepping stone. So uh, with all of that four and a half years uh, till we put the stuff in, uh, you know, in the brewery, had the, 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 the kettle fired up and we were making our first beer. So, um, Honestly, I think uh, I think without, you know, without a good plan and all that. And then of course, you know, uh, I don't think we would have done nearly as well. But, uh, you know, very meticulous planning is, is what I what I that's what I, uh, I think is the key to, to our early success. Well, you basically just led right into my next question, which is what would you call the key components of your plan to continue to grow and to continue to improve along the way? Yeah. So, I mean. So from the from the beginning during the plan, um, you know, it was very, very much like, hey, we have to be able to make a certain amount of beer in order to be, you know, financially a viable company. Um, we went through an SBA loan through Huntington Bank. Uh, so we went a more traditional bank loan uh, route, which, uh, you know, there's all kinds of different ways you can get you can get started financially. Um, but we kind of went more of a uh, the difficult road when it comes to, you know, going to a bank and having our business plan looked at by a team of underwriters that have, they're extremely, you know, merciless and, uh, you know, calculated investors that are going to make sure that what you're doing, and especially, you know, we're putting it in Terra Alta, you know, I had people from Huntington come visit the little town that we were going to put this brewery in. Um, and we were able to prove that we are going to have this much percentage of distribution. And even if we, even if we distribute ninety percent of all of our product and only send, sell ten percent out of our tap room, we can still be financially successful. Um, and, and that was how we kind of had to win over the bank. So I mean, that was kind of the key was was the plan was to make sure it was financially viable. Without that, we would have we wouldn't have had anything. Um, nobody from you know, nobody from Huntington wanted to try our beers to see if they were any good. It was just a it was a numbers <laughs> game. You know what I mean? So. Wow. They didn't, they didn't even want to sample anything. They no, just, they great numbers. Yeah, they just wanted to see those beautiful spreadsheets. <laughs> so how are you keeping that going, though? I mean, I think that's kind of what we're curious about, too. You got that start with a lot of planning. Yeah. But how are yeah, you so now keeping that quality building and 
you know, business building going. You know, and, and honestly, it comes down to every time uh, I get asked these questions, uh, it, it, my, my, my answer is, you know, it's always pretty much the same. And it's, uh, it's, it's surrounding yourself with people that are passionate about what they do, about the craft, the trade, um, everything that is beer. And um, we build a family-like atmosphere uh, and we continue to add people that bring that kind of, you know, that kind of, you know, energy to the business. Um, and we're all, you know, and I kind of just, I just kind of guide us, not just one way or the other, but it's, it's the team that, that truly is kind of taking us into, uh, to, to the next steps. Um, you know, honestly, my, my role is more or less just, you know, keeping us kind of on the path and, you know, showing the, the big, the big long-term stuff, but the, the people that are in there day in and day out, like Austin, uh, and like, you know, like uh, Wayne Border, uh, our sales and distribution manager, and Jeff Mitchell, our taproom manager. Um, and then, you know, my buddy Adam that comes in and fills in, uh, he kind of fills in and does whatever needs happening. We've got um, all the, you know, all the part-time taproom employees that are coming in day after day, bringing in great energy to the taproom. Uh, we recently hired an assistant brewer, Jack Friend, uh, who is uh, very eager to learn and you know, super, uh, picking up everything really great. So like, that's, that's, that's how we're staying relevant in my opinion, um, is people that care. Uh, we sit around and drink beer and talk about what do we want to brew next? Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's all, you know, getting people excited about it. We're all excited about it. We're trying to get everybody else excited about it. Um, we're just as excited about a lager as we are about a IPA or we're just as excited about some ancient beer that was brewed by the Nords as we are as a pastry stout. And we're trying to get the, 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 the great word out there, if you know what I mean. Um, and I think honestly, that, that energy that we all kind of share together as a, as a brand, uh, I honestly think it gets out there to the people. I mean, even down to the people that are our customers out in the field, Wayne brings that energy to our retail clients, our wholesale clients, and they share that same kind of brand loyalty. And then my, my wife, Jana, is doing an amazing job with the, the, uh, the marketing on social media. Um, and she's getting the word out to the people on there. So, I mean, that's, I think, what it is, uh, honestly. Uh, I think my role was very small uh, in comparison to what everybody else is up to. Austin, uh, I, I recall I've run into you at uh, back before you were with high ground at other breweries in West Virginia. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, I've, I've worked at two other uh, West Virginia breweries uh, commercially. Uh, I've been home brewing for about seven or eight years now. And you get to work with this guy, Dallas, every day, you know, and, and you see him every day. What do you see about his leadership? What do you see in his leadership maybe that really stands out and makes a difference to the work environment and to the product, to the processes at high ground. Trust. Uh, trust is a big one. Um, I, I came on last October. Uh, I've been pretty much in charge of all the beer since April. And Dallas is a, he's, he's confident that he's made a good decision in me and that I'm competent enough to uh, make quality beer. And uh, that amount of trust is uh, hard to find these days, especially in, you know, uh, in leadership or, you know, in, in management. Um, generally, people want to manage you or overmanage you uh, more than you should, um, especially in something like brewing. That's a very creative process. Um, I think being micromanaging and a little too close to it um, tends to be more harmful than good. Uh, but Dallas is pretty exceptional at um, giving me the leeway to make the beer that I want and that we want and that and to the best of my ability. So I'm wondering now, let's just talk about you and your professional brewing skills and background. I'd like to you maybe to just address a few of the things that you think you've really learned that's made a difference to you through the years. I mean, and especially things that maybe when you first started, you didn't think would be as critical as you've now, or critical to success as you've now learned having been in the business for a number of years. Um, commercially, um, 
every brewery does things different. I'll tell you that first and foremost. Um, there is no set way of doing things. Um, generally, brewers have their own little niche things they like to do. Uh, what I've learned, the biggest thing I've learned is um, cleanliness. Um, people think that brewing is a very glamorous job about making beer all the time and drinking beer all the time and trying it. Um, most of most of what you do is cleaning and sanitization and ensuring that is you're about you're more than halfway to great beer with uh, great cleanliness. And uh, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned uh, commercially uh, brewing in all three places. Well, I think it's time to sample a high ground beer. What do you think? Absolutely. And guys, while we get this one together, maybe Dallas, if you want to address that same question of things that you've learned through experience now that you see as critical to your success, that maybe when you first got into this business, you weren't as aware of while we're opening this beer and we'll talk about it. Um, when we first started, uh, we were, you know, the finances were like any business it's going to be tight. Um, so I was doing a lot of stuff by myself and I was still working a full-time job, uh, at the army. still you know, doing, you know, 40 hours a week with the military and then doing, uh, you know, coming in, into the brewery in the evenings and cleaning and, uh, you know, and, you know, doing all this stuff and then brewing on the weekends and doing that, you know, I did that for like a year. And, uh, you know, honestly, the, the having more people is, is the best and having somebody that can, to, you know, and honestly, you know, I'm not, I'm more fun. I'm focused on just pumping out stuff and doing what I got to so I can get home and go to sleep and having people there to manage, you know, all the aspects of the brewery and stuff is, is huge. And, uh, you know, having more hands in the brewery, um, is definitely great. So, um, uh, you know, I wish that, uh, I could have right from the gate had a, a full, full complement of people. Uh, but you know, let's talk about this beer. Can you, can you describe this for us and get into some details for us? Biff. This is Biff, which is the German Pilsner. Yep. So it's a uh, lightly dry hops, and I'll let Austin kind of talk about the, the beer itself. But just as a as a personal note, this one was named um, after my grandfather, uh, Dallas Jr. Everybody calls him Biff because he was one of you know so many so many Dallases already in the family um with me being the fourth and um yeah so that it's named after him uh he was one of uh one of a few people uh, that you know loaned me some money to try to get the the needed capital but austin can talk about the beer itself so uh Piff's a dry hopped german lager uh german lagers are very characteristic um at least in lager and pilsner terms as being a little sweeter than your uh Czech Pilsners or, um, but uh, it actually bounces out quite nicely, uh, adding a dry hop to it. Um, it kind of brings a bit more bitterness um, to it to round it out any, uh, any sweetness that might be left in a, a traditional German Pilsner. Um, and plus it gives it a little, uh, a little note that, you know, generally uh, German Pilsners aren't dry hopped in Germany. Um, they're not, um, Germans are very traditional in the way they do things and dry hopping is not exactly a um, traditional method of doing things, but uh, it's kind of our American spin on it. Uh, it's mainly uh, Pilsner malt. Um, that is a beer, all of our lagers and all of our Pilsners are very, um, they're, uh, all the flavor is driven through the brewing process. Uh, they, there's not a lot of ingredients in there that kind of get in your way. Um, they do accentuate them well. There's no room for error. Um, you're tasting all the fermentation, uh, the quality fermentation, the, the dryness, the clarity, the, the, everything it carries has to do with the brewing process rather than ingredient driven, which is more of an IPA character. So um, I really enjoy that beer. Um, I wish it was around more often. <laughs> How long does it typically take for you to produce this particular beer? Uh, our lagers are generally a 12-week turnaround. Okay. Um, there's usually a two-week uh, fermentation process. 
uh, one week of crashing uh, and then transfer to a uh, bright tank to set for an additional uh, eight to nine weeks uh, for clarity and lagering, allow all the flavors to kind of meld together in a more homogenous way. And then uh, it creates, it, it really does create a much better beer and there is no substitute for time. Right. In this. There's, um, there's no real quick way to do it. Well, having said that, then you, you've got to obviously plan this out to where you have the space to let it longer. Oh, absolutely. Space, I mean. Yeah, uh, we have two um, larger tanks, uh, two 20 barrels, uh, a 20 barrel unit tank and a 20 barrel freight tank. And we are adding a second 20 barrel uh, unit tank uh, soon mm -hmm. uh, so that these beers, so we can produce more of these beers uh, at, a, at a faster rate. Um, they're, they're very popular. Um, people like them. I like to drink them. Uh, it's always nice to have uh, a nice, crispy, you know, clean, fresh beer on hand. You guys have seen then a, a kind of a renewed interest in the craft world, uh, I think, as we have in, in lagers and especially crispy lagers and the Pilsners. But I do think this is a beer you've also kind of made from the beginning, isn't it, Dallas? You know, we've, we've been huge fans forever. And, uh, you know, that's honestly so this is this is my thought on brewery like okay yeah grata you can make a you can make a sour you can make an ipa um but like i judge all breweries that i go to by their lager the first thing i order when i go to a new brewery is i if they've got a lager on tap i'm ordering that and then i'm judging you on that one <laughs> like because i think it takes more i think it's more it takes more skill sure. and i get to understand i get to understand more about what somebody's up to uh, in the brew house by tasting somebody's lager than I ever will uh, by tasting a haze boy or, a, you know, a pastry stout or anything like that. Like oh, sure. you, you, you can't hide behind anything in a lager. Um, you can't hide behind a, you know, a, you know, 44 pound galaxy dry hop, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like there's, you, you, you are right there in front of everybody. Uh, so if you can do a lager, then you got all the respect, respect in the world from me. Um, and I, I think there's more people that are kind of seeing that. While we are enjoying this wonderful lager, which is fantastic, I'm wondering if you could talk about the challenges of operating a brewery in rural West Virginia, like production, distribution, tap room challenges, operations, things like that. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of challenges, as you can expect. Um, a lot of them are, uh, you know, some of them are logistical, some of them are, you know, just, you know, just be, being out of the way. Uh, you know, we're, we're out in the middle of in the mountains and, uh, that means that we're really accessible to the majority of the population. Um, about four, like about six months a year is really, you know, about the only time that we're available for people to come see us because in the wintertime, I mean, we are, uh, I mean, it's, I don't know if you've been to Terra Auto in the wintertime, but it, it can get crazy. I mean, we had a, I had a snowbank in my uh, brewery's parking lot that was, I bet you it was every bit of 30, 35 feet tall. And it lasted from, it lasted from probably December on and it didn't melt completely until like the beginning of May. That's um, really going to impact your distribution too, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's crazy. I mean, Wayne is a road warrior. Uh, that guy is, you know, he puts, he straps his goggles on, his glasses on extra tight and, uh, you know, he white knuckles it all the way uh, all over the state of West Virginia. Um, but, you know, so, our tap room really is kind of operational uh, to a limited capacity in the wintertime. So that makes it difficult. Uh, and then being in a rural spot, you really have to rely on um, where you're located, what you're around. So we're fortunate enough to have Alpine Lake and, uh, you know, Oakland and Deep Creek. Uh, you know, we're not too far from Morgantown. And of course, you know, we're bringing people from all over the country um, to the spot. Like they're, they're visiting wherever they're coming from somewhere, you know, it, it, it never ceases to amaze anybody in the brewing world where the license plates start coming from. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's very, I don't know. It's kind of, kind of a challenge, but I mean, we've made it work and distribution is how we made it. We kind of talked about it when I talked about the business plan, but um, our ability to distribute beer keeps us going. Um, and then, you know, the summertime is where we make our money because we've got a big, we have a huge beer garden with picnic tables and, you know, big outdoor space. So that's, you know, summertime's where we, where we do well as far as taproom and then the distribution picks up the slack in the winter. 
I wonder if you could expand a little more. I'm really curious on the tourism angle. Like, what is the impact of tourism on your business there in the mountains? Uh, I mean, you know, we. Um, I mean, it is big. I mean, we we have we have some people that come in from um, from the from the local community that are our mainstays every 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 day. But um, we wouldn't get the amount of flow um, through our area without you know all the beautiful natural uh, you know natural splendor that is around our area. You know, we've got the Cheat River and we've got all the beautiful mountains, and we're relatively close to Thomas Davis and uh, you know all all of those awesome places to go out there. Um, you know, Cooper's Rock and, you know, the, the, the beautiful outdoorsy kind of folks, the, the river people, um, you know, if it weren't for all those people and all the things that kind of bring weird interests all over the place, then we wouldn't be able to, to, to do nearly as well. So honestly, tourism is, you know, essential. <laughs> We're going to move back into uh, another beer tasting here and, uh, Speaking of what those tourists come to Terra Alta for, uh, in part, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about this Market Zero Golden Stout. Uh, that is one beer that you guess again. I think you've had for a while. Uh, it's a popular beer. We get it sometimes here in the Charleston market, at least in cans. So let's open this up and let you guys tell us what we're going to be tasting. Okay, uh, Golden Stouts. Uh, what can I tell you about them? Uh, the first one I ever had was from Jackie O's. Uh, it was Pale Apparition. And I, I was at a beer store and uh, they told me uh, Jackie O's was there. They're pretty awesome. And then they said Golden Stout. And I was like, what? What is that exactly? And they're like, well, it's a stout that doesn't carry any dark color to it, but tastes like a stout. And I'm like, that's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> um and i tried it i loved it i thought it was one of the best beers i've ever had in my life and i'm like i i'm gonna learn how to make this um took me several years um uh, several batches of messing a lot of things up um in a row but uh, we got to the point where we created something uh that carries a lot of those awesome uh, stout-like flavors, uh, the cocoa, the vanilla, the coffee, the um, all those awesome flavors I love for people to try, but um, everybody that says, I don't like dark beer, I'm like, well, it's not dark. You want to try it? <laughs> um, so here's what we do. Um, we can get those beers or those flavors to you in a medium that's not dark. Well, are you willing to try it? And I find a lot more people um, are much more uh, likely to try it um, because it's not necessarily dark beer, but it's uh, it still carries all those really great flavors that dark beer has. You know, I know it probably has a lactose in it to get some of that, but tell me a little more about what the ingredients are that, that do give it those. I mean, do you, do you actually put coffee in this or does it just come from the roasted grains? Do we actually put coffee in it? Um, well, we dry hop, well, it's essentially a, um, a method similar to dry hopping, uh, but with coffee and we use coffee from, uh, locally roasted coffee in Morgantown from Quantum Bean. Nice. Uh, Sam Benasso is fantastic. He, uh, he roasts coffee for us the day before we put it into our beer. So, uh, he's very, he's been very great about getting us a real high quality product. Um, there's also, uh, cocoa nibs in it, um, which cocoa nibs, um, are like the purest form of chocolate that you can get. And, um, uh, but they're a bitter kind of chocolate, but they provide a whole lot of great flavor. And uh, there is vanilla beans. There's, um, there's a lot of oat in it. Um, and the, 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 but most of the toasted flavors do generally come from um, the adjuncts that are put into it. It, and in order to create a base that has a lot of mouthfeel and is very coating, um, it tends to be a little sweet, but um, that sweetness does help um, kind of balance out all that bitter coffee and, and bitter chocolate. And um, I, I, I think this year's turned out actually pretty well. Yeah, excellent. 
Well, it's going to be an expensive beer to make, too, I would think, with all those ingredients uh, that you just listed. Yeah, I mean, it, it may be a little bit, you know, who cares? It is balanced very well. You really do get yeah. great balance of all of the flavors that you described. And Yeah, so when, when you well, brew it, and, and when you brew it, like before you do the coffee and the vanilla and stuff, it's it, it's pretty boring flavor, to be honest with you. It's just this sweet thing that uh, honestly is not very interesting. Um, and you put all the coffee and the vanilla in it and it just completely transforms it. So Austin, I, I think Austin's key to his successes uh, with this beer is that he made a beer that is simple uh, and ready to receive maximum flavor from vanilla and coffee. Um, if, if I were to summarize it as, as gently as possible. And it is also worth noting that uh, Market Zero was one of the, one of the beers that um, made me immediately start uh, excessively trying to recruit Austin to be a brewer at High Ground. Um, <laughs> we were at uh, Rambling Root for, um, I think it was one of their anniversary parties or something. And uh, if anybody knows Austin, they know that he's got uh, what we call trunk beers, is which he, uh, drives, <laughs> he drives around in his car and he's got a cooler with homebrew in it and he wants everybody to try it. Uh, and he had me try this one and I'm immediately I'm like, we're making this at high ground. Like we're doing it. We made it at high ground before Austin was even a full-time employee. Um, and then shortly after I managed to, to, to finally land, uh, land Austin as a full-time employee. So market zero is super important to the, to the, to the business. Oh, yeah. Very nice. It's, it's, again, it's a, a very good beer and I can see, as Austin said, it, it is a good beer for people that maybe want to try a stout, but are sort of turned off by the fact that a beer is very dark and they think it's heavy. This is definitely not heavy. It's got great flavor. Yeah. And I think it, we're not the only ones that liked it. Uh, of course, at the, recently at the, uh, foam at the dome, uh, beer festival in Charleston, West Virginia, this was runner up for best of show this, uh, <laughs> Market Zero Golden Stout. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm, I'm also curious about, guys, where you came up with that name, Market Zero, and this can with the bowling ball uh, hitting the pins. That's really kind of a novel uh, label, and I'm wondering what the significance or the background of that is. Um, you want me to do it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm so um, you named it. Market Zero. Uh, we were making this beer um, Actually, and there's a there's a sign in the brewery uh, that says uh, we've gone exactly zero days without a mess up. Um, but uh, one of our favorite movies is also The Big Lebowski. And if uh -huh. you notice the can and the art on the can, it's very similar to retro California bowling alleys. And that's uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Sutton Daniels at Self Care Clothing, uh, was able to do the art for us. But um, also... One of the famous quotes in the movie is is one of our, the best characters ever, uh, Walter Subcheck, uh, standing in a bowling alley, screaming at another individual, saying "Market Zero, Market Zero. And um, it was us messing the beer up, actually, uh, at least two times. Yeah, trying to make it commercially first, <laughs> and um, so we just kept saying, "Well, you know, there's a sign on the wall. It says." We've had zero days without a mess up. Market zero. It's, there's another mess up. Uh, nice. it, it, it did take us three attempts uh, to and make I, that beer for the first time. And I felt like. And one of which uh, the entire staff of uh, Big Timber shows up to do, like to, to hang out with us. And we're like, <laughs> we're like <laughs> right in the middle of We have completely messed up this batch. Like things are going very badly. And we're like, yeah, it's a little bit embarrassed. We're like, yeah, we've totally jacked this up. Yeah. Of course, they were like, yeah, we do. You know, we, we get it. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always hear how close the brewery people are very close-knit community which is great. oh yeah big time Obviously. yeah it was it was yeah. hilarious i was like yeah no problem no worries guys we just have one of the most major stuck mashes of our <laughs> commercial career happening at this very moment but hey let's drink beer or whatever let's uh we're probably going to dump it anyways which we did <laughs> well hey you guys uh you mentioned about the label sutton daniels and i noticed that um that same individual did the biff label do you stick with this person or do you, you switch it up as far as local artists for your label design yeah so we uh so so sutton daniels uh actually i think he was either the first or second um i think because austin wanted to label for market zero in the beginning 
uh, before we even had any means or methodology to uh, to even put beer in a vessel. <laughs> um, and so we found out about Sutton through Austin. Um, and of course, I'm a big tattoo person, and you can tell by the branding from the brewery that uh, you know we take a lot of uh, a lot of cues from the American traditional tattoo scene. Um, but as far as artists go, we have uh, we have three that we use uh, pretty much regularly. Uh, four, if you count my wife, who has done a few. Um, and uh, we've got Sutton Daniels, who does Market Zero and Biff and Delbert and all of the traditional traditional tattoo, like you know you know bold holds kind of line work. Uh, we have Paul Anderson, uh, who uh, does tattoos down at uh, the Patty's R spot, um, and he does. Um, you know, he's done um, uh, Boof Stroke and Weird Science. Um, he's done Pineapple Preacher. Uh, he's done quite a few of them as well. Oh, Wizard Dreams. Uh, so he has like this cool tattoo kind of vibe too, but it's a little uh, less like traditional flash work. Um, yeah, a little bit more whimsical. I like that. And yeah, then, uh, local artist. That's good. That I mean, yeah. that's, we like to see that or hear about mm -hmm. that at least in the yeah. crowd for sure yeah um, and then the third person is uh is adam matthews who does like our traditional horror um <laughs> kind of like you know super like dark and gritty uh stuff like druid fluid and coltrane and uh you know a lot of that stuff which you know i'm a big horror movie fan and we're, we were all me and adam both and uh so you know obviously all the artists that we pick kind of you know play into our personal preferences when it comes to artwork well uh, as they should yeah <laughs> For your yeah, yeah. Which, uh, you know we're, we're kind of weird and uh you know i think we're probably the well some, i mean weatherground does use uh does use adam matthews uh for a few of their things but the majority of our stuff is i feel like as far as branding goes i i think we've i think we're kind of defined uh i think i think we've kind of got a feel like you can kind of pick our stuff out on the shelves which is the key and what you want to do um, so in, in, in those terms, I think, uh, I think we're doing great and, you know, our artists, artists are awesome. And I just like, it's like, like Christmas morning, whenever I get to see what they've, they've came up with, you know? Oh, I'm, that's gotta be exciting. Um, let's talk a little bit about accomplishments that you feel that you're most proud of. I mean, yeah, I mean, just getting started for one was just insane. Um, the, the amount of people that were doing things for us that weren't expect, didn't ask for anything in return. Um, the fact that we were able to pull together all these people and, you know, just make this thing happen and do what we wanted to do, which was just make beer for people that could get excited about it. And we can get excited about it. I mean, that, that's it. I mean, there's all kinds of like little baby accomplishments or small milestones that we did, uh, as a team or, uh, that, you know, we're all proud of winning, you know, we're, the first brewery competition that we ever did, we took second place in, in two different categories, uh, you know, which was super cool. It was like, we've literally been open for like a month and a half and mandatory fund took second place in the, in IPAs and Coltrane took second place in, in, uh, in, in the dark beer category, uh, which was insane to me. I thought that was really cool. That was kind of like a, holy crap, like, this is amazing. Like, you know, we took second place to, to bat boy, which, uh, is an amazing beer and they, you know, they deserve that one, of course. And, you know, it just, and then of course he, he brewed the beer that beat us uh, multiple hopgasms from Stumptown <laughs> beat us on the IPA. So it was, it was great, but that, you know, that was kind of like that first, like that was one of the first moments of like, okay, I think maybe we're doing okay. You know, we went to one of the big beer festivals in Lewisburg and uh, we placed, that's great. Uh, and then, you know, little validations along the way have uh you know continued to to reinforce the fact that we're doing good things um people asking us to talk about beer and you know podcasts <laughs> and stuff like that like you guys are asking us about asking us questions which i think is another um i think that's that's another uh measurement of success and uh i'm just proud of the whole full spectrum uh thing you know there's too many things i mean i didn't just list a bunch of stuff but there's a lot of things to the list um but I mean, I'm just can't believe this is this has happened. Um, I've, I've specifically remember drinking beer in the basement with my buddy Adam and looking at him in the face and saying, I'm going to start a brewery. And he looked at me like I like and, and instead of looking at me like I'm insane. He looked at me, and said, let's do it. And boom, we did it. So that's that's what I'm most proud of. If you really want to know, 
that personally still gives me chills. Oh, sure. Uh, to, to, to flash back to, it's almost been seven years, to me sitting in my basement after we brewed beer, uh, like all day, drinking beer, listening to music, just having a great time, to me saying, Adam, I think I, think I want to make a brewery. I want to do it. He looks at me and says, okay. Chills, chills. <laughs> no, personal feeling successful is, is amazing. And that's a huge accomplishment. So we're rooting for you. Yeah, you can see why we uh, said it's a fast out of the gate brewery. I mean, right out of the bat or out of the gate, you were uh, winning medals at beer festivals and things and and gaining fans. I mean, not just because a beer festival said they were good, but man, we're, you know, we see that in Charleston, Huntington. And like I say, we're four hours away from you to some extent, three, four hours away from you, you guys. So it's not like you're our next door brewer and we love you. We we love you, even though you're way up there, almost almost Maryland. From afar. We love you from afar. <laughs> when you opened, I think it was March of 2019, officially uh, opened your, your brewery for business there with licenses and all. Uh, first year, I noticed an untapped, I know untapped ratings aren't everything, but there are certainly some indicator and I like to follow them because I see number one, how frequently people uh, enter beer ratings and also what ratings they average out to, to a brewery and you guys came out of the gate again strong first year you were, you know, at a, over 375 which or 376 you know which is a, a really solid rating in West Virginia and and for you know compared to all the the breweries we have one year later I mean that was 4,000 ratings then in 2019 I mean excuse me 2020 the next year you had over 10,000 ratings and you were up to 383 that's a huge jump I mean uh, you know when you start adding in thousands of ratings you've got to get a lot of average Average, you know, higher average ratings to get those numbers to rise. Now, 2021, you're going to end with, it looks like 386 is what I'm guessing. You know, that's got right up there in the stratosphere with West Virginia breweries, the best ones. And it'll be 17,000 ratings, I'm saying. That's that's just fantastic. I mean, for people who haven't been there, this is a little tiny town. You might be the biggest business in that town. <laughs> it's like a, a very small community in the mountains, like we said, and it's just amazing to see the success you've brought to that. And Dallas, you weren't, you know, you didn't come out of a brewing family or brewing industry. You hadn't worked in the industry. You didn't go to brewing school. Uh, you just brought this vision. And I think to me, that's just such an inspiration for other breweries or sure. could be, you know, should be for other small brewers that want to get started in this industry. And we think there's still opportunity, you know, there for and need in our state mm -hmm. for that. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty wild to watch it. And, uh, you know, untapped is, um, uh, it is a fickle beast, and uh, you know, it, it, the problem is, is in, in, in one of our issues is that you know we brew so many friggin' loggers, and uh, you know loggers just don't rate well on Untapped. So um, you know, so that that happens too. But you know, we're we're friggin' super excited. I just today, Charles. Today, I paid the second half of my uh, my down payment on a brand new twenty barrel vessel, which should be coming to us in the next week or two. Uh, so we will be expanding our, our total production volume by uh, it's probably 20 to 30 percent um, over the winter time. Of course, it's going to be a little slower, but, you know, by next year, we should be seeing a significant increase in our production uh, capacity. And, uh, you know, we're going to be scaling up. It's going it's going to get wild out there. I think you guys are ready. All right. You heard it here. Breaking news expansion at High Ground Brewing. I, I love that. And, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And so with expansion, does that mean there's a discussion of some upcoming beers that you want to highlight for us? Okay. Um, yeah. So we have some new beer. Like we're, uh, we put out quite a lot of beer. Um, we're very, I like to think of ourselves as very, pretty creative uh, with the uh, types of beer that we put out in the new ones soon. Fruits of the Forest Pie Tart Shake IPA. So uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Fruits of the Forest Pie. Uh, it's apple, um, raspberry, blackberry, blueberry, rhubarb, uh, graham cracker. Uh, it's going to be a sour beer, a little bit sour, but also hopefully tastes like rhubarb pie. Yeah, it's going to be part of the Tart Shake series. So yeah. if you've had like Coconut Pete or Ajis, 
or any of those those beers like it's going to be the the sour but also like a like a milkshake sour in the paint but new beers uh we have a vanilla milkshake ipa coming a very vanilla milkshake ipa coming yeah, uh, you, we guys are doing- you guys haven't shied away from the those styles like a milkshake IPAs and sour lactose laden IPAs. I mean, you know what I mean? Adjuncts. Yeah, you've yeah. Uh, you've been willing to to tackle those as a as a small brewery, and some of them, I mean, that's hard to do and do it well. We we kind of take the old styles approach. Um, you know, like I said, we're the one of those breweries that will do um, everything from a uh, vanilla milkshake IPA that tastes like a dream sickle to a, uh, you know, a, you know, a dunkel or a German Pilsner or something, you know, so like, you know, there's, 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 there's room for all kinds. Uh, my favorite brewer in the world is Hennick Fenty from Omnipoyo. And he, um, he's just, he's very, very brave with flavors and it's, but they always, Seem to turn out uh, for other new beer. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, collaboration stuff coming, and it's pretty exciting. I mean, we've got some of our uh, we're mixing it up with brewer- other breweries. Um, you know, I've been talking with a few other breweries, and we've got some some some, some talk going on about what we want to do. And then we've also got some of our retail clients uh, as well. Uh, we're trying to do some some stuff. Another one of the collaborations is uh, is Summit. Uh, we did it for their. Uh, for their anniversary they just had and uh totally recommend going down there uh and trying that out it's a dunkel vice called stop trash in our bathroom if anybody follows summit on social media they'll know that uh, they have (laughs) bathroom terrace uh, and they have they have the craziest stuff that happens in their tap room i've never seen anything like it everybody wants to steal signs everybody wants to steal something or just take all the toilet paper and put it in the toilet or in the sink. I, I don't know. It's insane to me. So either way, we, we you know, us, we're, we're kind of crazy with our beer names anyway. So we had all these like very unique names, uh, like, you know, play on words with German stuff and all this stuff. And we finally just settled on Stop Trash in Our Bathroom, which uh, is very high ground, if you ask me. Uh, we do have uh, also for it's not necessarily brand new beer, but it's, you know, it's we've made it seasonally and we're going to start making it again. Uh, like Peace Among Worlds, uh, we're, mm. we're coming out with again. That's our horchata porter. Um, it's, it's lighter. Uh, it's, it, it actually contains rice like horchata is uh, with the vanilla, the cinnamon, the, the flavors of it. Uh, it's more of a, it's not necessarily a winter drink, but it does carry all the great notes that uh, winter has to offer. Uh, and um, uh, coconut peat will be back again for those that had it last year very coconut very guava very peat very peat um <laughs> we uh we we do do a lot of movie references which has actually um actually has uh benefited us uh in the sense of we 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 did make a beer last year called uh nubu goofin Ooh, yeah, uh, based on a show that we watch a lot of uh, Reno 911 and actually got contacted by Thomas Lennon uh, on our uh, anniversary party. Yeah, I uh, FaceTimed about, with Thomas Lennon. It was pretty amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, the dude called me and he says, hey, man, I just had like we sent him some of our beer, which is he's the so if you don't know who Thomas Patrick Lennon is, he's the uh, he is Lieutenant Dangle. He's the, the police officer in Reno 911 that wears the short shorts and the boots uh, is the bicycle police uh, lieutenant. And uh, yeah, so like we were, we, we were contacted by him on Instagram and then uh, his aunt showed up at the brewery. Yeah, it, it was actually his cousin. Yeah, his cousin shows up at the brewery and we're like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then all of a sudden she comes over and she's got Thomas Patrick Lennon on the phone holding up a pair of those bicycle shorts that are like super tight and super short. And he's got them on a coat hanger and he's like, hey man, what's going on? Like, you see, I got, you know, this is the most insane thing ever. So that was you know, of course, you know, we were both at the time hanging out with celebrities, which was great. You know, him with us and Those are us 15 minutes right there. <laughs> We've talked a little bit about collaborations. We've talked some about expansion at the brew house. Uh, we've covered some new beers that are on the way out and things like that. How about anything else, though, that uh, upcoming that you want to mention or we've left out before we wrap up our program today? So, so first of all, I want to uh, I want to personally thank you both 
uh, for all the stuff that you guys do. Um, you guys get to um, ask questions to other people and, um, you know, other folks get to talk about their successes. And, uh, you know, we don't often get an opportunity to, to hear from you guys and, you know, your success and what you guys are bringing to the community. And uh, from a, a viewer perspective, which I, you know, I watch all your videos and I've been following you guys forever. And me and my wife met Charles before the business even, even happened. And, um, you know, I just want to thank you guys for everything you're doing with Brilliant Stream and Beer Roads and, and all that stuff. Cause I think you guys are an essential part of uh, the craft beer scene. And I, I thank you guys for, for bringing, giving us an opportunity to talk about our business and all the free press that we've got from you guys over the years. And you've given to other breweries. Um, I honestly think it's amazing uh, what, what you guys are doing. And uh, you know, I, I, I want to uh, drink a, uh, a, a beer to you guys. And, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, well, well thank, thank you. Thank you very much for everything you guys do for us. <clears throat> and uh, honestly, I mean, that, that's that's it for me. I mean, for, for you guys, I mean, you know, come come support high ground, drink high high ground, seek high ground, as our logo says. Um, and uh, you know, come see us at a festival. Uh, we got uh, we got all kinds of festivals coming. Well, we got one more basically coming up, maybe two. Um, but then you know, come see us at our tap room, and uh, you know, go visit your your favorite local spot and uh, ask for it uh, repeatedly, over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> we we certainly have fun in what we do otherwise we wouldn't do it so thank you for those kind words they're very well received and we appreciate it very much and before we get out of here we got one last thing that we like to, to kind of like it's topical because it's coming up this winter again and that's legislative season yeah so what would you like to see in our state beer law and regulations as far as maybe changes upcoming or just in general, what would you like to see? Uh, number one, um, I'd say, I mean, I think the, the distribution uh, contractual laws um, need to be updated. Uh, so what's going on right now, so if anybody's not tracking on it, is, is if a brewery signs on with a, with a distributor, it's essentially a contract for life mm -hmm. and said brewery can't get, um, can't get away from them. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, and, and I understand why that law exists and it's because of the smaller breweries out, or smaller dis, uh, distributors out there that maybe rely on Anheuser-Busch. Uh, and if, you know, Anheuser-Busch fires them, then their business ceases to exist. I understand that. So one of the things that I would like to see is I would like to see uh, maybe some exceptions when, when it comes to production, you know, how, how much production you do. So like, say, if you do under so many barrels a year, considered a microbrewery, uh, then you can engage in contracts that are, you know, maximum or minimum, you know, maximum of three years or minimum of three years or whatever, uh, that it's not a lifetime contract. Because the problem is, is that if I sign up with a distributor and they, they aren't representing my brand correctly, I can't fire them. So like I would consider a distributor like another employee. Um, and if I, if they're not representing my brand correctly, then I, and I can't fire them. That's, that's the handcuff of me. Yeah. Um, so I'm a self-distributing brewery for a very specific reason. And it's this right. reason uh, I can't feel comfortable with getting uh, signing up with any distributor out there knowing that you know everything may be great at the you know at the table but then all of a sudden they they may not represent my stuff they may not store my beer properly and then all of a sudden i've got a bunch of bad beer out there that i can't control which i'm not saying distributors are doing that i'm <laughs> right. just saying that it could happen um so i don't have any beef with the distributors out there i just i think that um if you are the little guy because the laws are built to protect the small guys um we're the small guys in this situation. Um, and if I go with the big distributor and I'm not being represented correctly, I should be able to at least at a minimum have, okay, let's just wait it out for this many years and then we can move on with our lives. Um, but I don't have that option. So I'm hundred percent locked in with self-distribution, which isn't a bad thing at all because I get to control everything. Um, and that's one of our, like we talked about today, one of the keys of our success. But that's something that I think, and it doesn't get talked about, and it's not super popular in the guild. 
uh, doesn't get talked about a lot, but I know there's a lot of breweries out there that kind of think like, like I do. Um, so that, that's a big one. And then uh, a very, uh, you know, a second place is just about the abolishment of the ABV limit. Uh, I think that uh, is ah. kind of cool. I, I don't understand it. Like if I can go buy, buy 20 bottles of Jack Daniels, why can't I just go buy a beer that's over 15% alcohol? Like it makes no, no sense to me. Yeah, I, I do have a small gripe too, but it's very small and menial. Um, I don't understand why, for example, if you ever look at the Vale uh, or Tired Hands or uh, the people that are allowed to ship beer to different states, uh, why are we always exempted? Um, it has to do with our laws. And it's like, what what is the issue with a private person buying beer from a brewery that they really right, enjoy? And that's from yeah. a consumer perspective. Like, uh, I, yeah, I can't, like, have not a tired hands brew beer send beer to me, which is annoying as a consumer. Because I can, I, can I, I have a friend in Point Marion, and I live in Morgantown, and I could drive to her house uh, six minutes away and get it, but uh, I can't get it at my house. It's a little strange. Um, so, um, I'd like to see that what, whatever law that is keeping it from happening or, uh, change. Yeah. Shipping. Yeah. Yeah. That we've talked about that before. That's something I would, and I know a lot of mm -hmm. craft beer connoisseurs would like to see changed. It's just, it seems asinine. Yeah. yeah. No, those both excellent points, both from Dallas and Austin guys. I want to thank you, Dallas Wolf. I guess you're the president and uh, more or less CEO of High Ground Brewing in Terre Haute to West Virginia, and Austin Weezer, head brewer who's contributing so much there to the stylistic variations and, and creativity that we're here, we heard about this today. So thank you guys both for being on West Virginia Beer Roads today. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate the time and all the information is great and looking forward to hearing more about that expansion once it's up and running. So we'll, we'll circle back around at that point. Awesome. Hey, thanks for your, uh, for you guys, uh, you know, inviting us on this, uh, this awesome program. That's and, great. uh, it was an absolute pleasure to, to, to talk with you guys today. So, uh, you know, until we see each other in person, hopefully right. we can, um, drink a couple beers and, uh, you know, we can do that. Hang out. Thanks. Cheers, guys. Thank you. I'm running low, but cheers anyway. <laughs> Austin's done. <laughs> this brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.